0: This is the Soulfully Casual podcast hosted by Matty Ice, and now your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Soulfully Casual podcast brought to you by Matty Ice Media. As always, I'm your host, Matty Ice, and I want to just thank everybody. You indulged me on Monday's episode when I was going through some things. Uh, I was very, very open, very, very vulnerable, and perhaps for most of you, a little bit too personal about what I was thinking and what I was going through. But I'll be honest with you. It's what I strive for in life. I strive to be honest. I strive to be genuine. And when I was thinking about the episode in hindsight, I thought perhaps it was a little bit too personal. But then again, perhaps there's somebody who can connect with it. And honestly, I really feel like that's, you know what really the show is about, at least in its infancy, which I could still consider it in its infancy today. So I hope everybody's having a great week, and I wanted to get into something a little bit different, a little bit fun. I don't talk about sports that often as they're happening on this show. Uh, it, sports are something I absolutely love, and I could totally turn this into a sports show and talk about things that are going on in the, uh, in the daily sports world, uh, and I could probably make a lot of money doing it because I just love to do it. However, that's not really what the intention of this show is. But for today's episode, I want to talk about golf. And I'm sure just hearing the words golf or the word. It's not multiple words, Matt. Come on. Um, Golf is probably one of the least enjoyed sports watching on TV. And I don't mean for myself personally. I mean for the masses. I remember being a kid and thinking golf is so boring. How could my father watch golf? Now, as an adult, uh, I love to watch golf. The skill that is involved is just incredible. The consistency of which players are able to perform at a high level is incredible. And the mental fortitude that goes into the game is just incredible as well. And one of the reasons why I'm able to appreciate golf is because I did attempt to play golf as a child. And still in the loosest sense of the word, attempt to play today. Golf is easily... The most frustrating thing I've ever attempted to do in my entire life. And that may sound dramatic, but for something that is supposed to be relaxing, a sport is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy yourself. I don't actually get any enjoyment out of playing the actual game because I'm so terrible at it. I don't like to be terrible. I don't like to fail. And there's no easy fix. It's very mechanical. It's very much if you are off by the slightest of margins, your ball is in the woods. And I find I spend most of my time glorified camping when I go golfing and that's really not that enjoyable I lose too many balls um, I take too many mulligans and quite honestly I enjoy the company and riding in the cart actually I enjoy walking the course more than anything when I was a kid I caddied it was the first job I ever had I was 11 my parents thought it would be great for me to earn some money and learn some work ethic along the way and so I caddied at the country club. Now, there's a whole lot of discrepancies when it comes to the rich versus the, the haves versus the have-nots. And I certainly was not a have in this sense. Now, my parents were not rich. My parents did not have a lot. However, most of the kids that were caddying at this country club were either friends of members or, you know, sons uh, of friends of members. Or they were members themselves because their parents were members, right? They came from money. They were doing this not because they needed the money but because they were basically were already at the course they were already at the country club and so i found myself very much an outcast i learned a lot about what it meant to be outcast to be profiled so to speak and i was treated very very differently by the kids there and while it doesn't come nearly as close to racial injustices um, it did give me a glimpse especially thinking about it now as a more well-informed adult It it gave me a glimpse into what many people go through, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Golf has made some headlines recently, and there's three incidences that come to mind that has made golf, dare I say, interesting. Uh, The first being the PGA Championship, which happened a couple of weeks ago uh, down in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And it was really one of the first very public sporting events where there were what felt like a normal amount of fandom there. It seemed as if the amount of people that were watching that was really pre-pandemic levels. The Masters didn't feel that way, although there were fans there. It did not feel nearly the same. I think what helps the energy is the fact that Phil Mickelson was in contention the whole weekend. And eventually won. The crowd was extremely behind Phil. He has been a fan favorite for years. And I just found the whole experience. It lifted me back to... December of 2019, or January, February 2019, when, or 2020, when we saw people in the crowd. We heard the crowded events. We were gathering with other people. And it brought me back to that, even for a moment. And I have to admit, I got caught up in it. There was an incident that happened at the end where the crowd, or the gallery, as they call it there, basically stormed the 18th fairway and followed Phil and his playing partner, Brooks Kepka, who was also in contention, uh, to the green. I've never seen anything like that in golf before. It was definitely a little bit jarring, and it was the first indication to me that we, we need to get used to going back out in public. It was before all the NBA stuff, and it was very jarring. However, I was able to look past it in a way because my assumption was many of the people there were vaccinated, or they have chosen not to get the vaccine, which is a choice that they make. Um, there is some sort of extracurricular stuff with Brooks Kepka. He's had a surgically repaired knee, and you know he was a little bit miffed by the fact that the fans were, were doing that, and he had his knee hit and all that. Ultimately, though, it was a feel-good moment, and it ended up being so. Um, Brooks Kepka has been a part of the second issue, not even issue, um, which has to do with a feud so for many years there were i want to call fabricated feuds between a lot of golfers at least in my childhood tiger woods sergio garcia tiger and phil most of those were competitive like they never really went to the length of i don't like this person There was never much of a personal touch to them, especially on Tiger's end, because Tiger was the ultimate competitor and never really showed that kind of emotion when it came to something other than golf. So we never really got a glimpse into Tiger actually disliking Sergio Garcia. I think Sergio put some words to it, but it certainly didn't seem very mutual. Phil and Tiger was really born out of competitiveness. I mean, they were at the top of their game, the top of their sport, and they were competing every year for probably a good decade for the top man. Um, in the sport. And so I think that's really where it came from. I I, I see it very similar to uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Mutual respect for each other, competitive dislike for each other, because, well, they're competing against each other. That's kind of how competition works. It should be the nature of competition, especially at the highest level, the pro level. Um, Well, there's another golfer on tour, Bryson DeChambeau, who isn't really the most well-liked guy on tour and some of that comes down to his attitude some of that comes down to his play style he is probably the slowest player on tour now if you have ever played golf and you've been to any golf course uh, there is sort of a pace of play that's unwritten out there you're not allowed to take as much time as you want if the course happens to be empty that day, you have a little bit more leeway as it relates to how much time you can take and so forth and have a leisurely time. But on the weekends, when the courses are crowded, uh, they want you to play as quickly as possible because there are people waiting behind you. And I think they respect the, the people's time on the course. And they also wanna keep, keep it so that the people that have tee times and so forth can get on. So the starter will drive around a lot of times uh, and make sure people are playing if there's a huge gap between people speeding them up asking them to you know let people play through and so forth uh on tour you don't really get that there's a lot of timing uh you know they make sure that things go as they're supposed to because well there's television broadcasts that go along with it but even so there are players that are a little bit slower than others and Bryson DeChambeau happens to be one of them he's also a player that I believe still wears metal golf shoes which means um that it really tears up the greens a little bit differently Uh, Many golfers do not like that because the markings that they make uh, affect putting. And that's one of the places where I think most golfers end up losing tournaments is when they are not very savvy with the putter, when they're having a bad weekend with the putter. And so if you're playing with this guy and he has metal cleats on and they're not fixing the markings and so forth, I can understand how that would be frustrating. There was a viral video going around. I believe it was from the PGA Championship uh, one of the days before the, the last day where Brooks Kepka was being interviewed, and he was asked about the putting uh, for the weekend and so forth. Now, the first two days of that tournament were very windy. It was affecting so many things on the golf course. The wind was coming from the ocean, and it was just the conditions were not really there for major success. So he was talking about it. And uh, he said, you know, I don't know what other golfers are saying, but I found it very difficult to line up the, the putts or whatever. So at that particular moment, Bryson DeChambeau walks by him and says, well, just line it up the right way, basically. And Brooks Kepka, I want to say, is out of character. He sort of loses his composure. Uh, he has to restart the interview. He says a few choice words about Bryson DeChambeau, not to his face. Uh, I would play the clip on here, but it's really best uh ingested visually uh on youtube so go go look it up because the facial expressions the things that brooks kepka says are just they're downright hilarious and in that time since then there's been sort of a twitter beef between them which i'm here for um and i believe brooks kepka made a passing comment about buying any fan of beer who heckles bryson DeChambeau. well of course that upsets him because Usually the people that take somebody up on a offer like that are people that don't understand how to do it within reason. Um, You should not be making noise during somebody's shot. You should not be trying to touch them and so forth. And so Bryson DeChambeau is upset. Why do I even mention this? Because golf needs this. Like there's so many of these individual sports where the athletes are asked to be within a certain threshold like this box. And I actually was just talking with my sister-in-law about Simone Biles. Where Simone Biles has the bravado and she's so brash and knows how good she is that her leotards for her competitions have a goat stitched on them. To basically say, yes, I'm the best that's ever done this. And I can't tell you how here for that kind of personality I am. We as fans generally want our sports figures to be antiseptic. We want them to just go out there and play. And that has changed so much from the player's perspective in the last decade or so. Player empowerment is at an all-time high, and it only is continuing to rise. I've mentioned on previous episodes how I supported Naomi Osaka's decision. I may have questioned some of her methods. And she is showing, she is flexing player empowerment. These are still human beings. Yes, they make a lot of money. Yes, they make a lot more money than we do yes, they're contractually obligated to do certain things. However, it doesn't mean that they can't be who they are. And for an athlete to show the kind of moxie and the kind of just oozing confidence that a Simone Biles has, to me, I don't see a problem with it because you've earned that. And if you as a, actually, it doesn't have to be an athlete at all. Whatever it is that you're trying to do in life, if you don't think that you're gonna succeed at it, and you don't have the confidence to go in there and be good at it, to put yourself out there, to make yourself good at something, to put the time in, then why are you doing it? I do this with everything in my life. I think I've talked on previous episodes about how I'm very all or nothing on things. I recently started boxing again after the pandemic is now subsiding at least where we are in my life in my bubble and i put a lot of work into that and being able to see the improvement over the last five years has get paid dividends emotionally so this whole beef between the two of them i feel like is so refreshing for a game especially an old white sport where people have been asked to basically toe the line toe the company line tiger woods was seen as an outcast for years basically because he was black. And Tiger actually towed the company line. He was so much more into just being a golfer, winning than he was having a personality. We didn't look to Tiger for that kind of thing. We saw Phil as that because Phil we know is a gambler. He's somebody who likes to to drink and he just has a good time in his life for the most part. Maybe not as much as now that he is 50, but he had a little bit more personality. But you didn't see that kind of personality come out on the golf course. It didn't manifest itself in a way that was public along with the sport this beef between these two guys these two young guys on the on the tour by the way young guys who have both won majors been successful already that gets eyes on the sport and i'm so here for it because they don't like each other they genuinely don't like each other and in today's world where many of these millennial players or even younger are coming out here and it's so touchy-feely in the nba instead of trying to beat your rival, you join your rival, right? You look at these games, players are handshaking, talking, laughing in the middle of the game. When you are at the height of competitiveness, they're doing that. And it feels a little bit different. Perhaps this is an old man get off my lawn feeling, but that feeling of competitiveness hasn't felt the same for quite a while. And I think having something so public in this way, it, it really just adds eyes on the sport. So the last uh, incident, if you will, or sort of talking point about golf that has come up recently has definitely gotten eyes on the sport. And I don't know if it's gotten eyes on the sport in a negative way or not, but it kind of coincides with my confusion about where we are in the pandemic. So everybody who's been vaccinated now has a choice, nationally and even at the state level, depending on where you live, about masks being optional. Here in Virginia, that is, that is the case. Um, and I think they have left it up to certain establishments, the proprietors of these businesses, to make the call as to whether they feel they are necessary or not. And for a while, I was really confused because I walked into stores and what felt like people who hadn't been wearing them are now wearing them. It's extremely confusing because for, what, 13 months, 14 months, people were told you have to wear a mask. And more than half the country felt like they needed to not do that because they felt like it was oppressive, which is funny. And now all of a sudden, everybody is. It's just the strangest thing. But related to that, at the Memorial Tournament this past weekend, John Rahm was playing, I have to think, like the tournament of his life, uh, leading by something like six strokes going into the final day on Sunday. While he's out there, A couple things happened, first of all. So he apparently had been exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID. At this time, I don't think we know whether he was vaccinated or not. Even so, he knew that he'd been exposed and coming into the tournament, the people he was playing with, he told them ahead of time, hey, look, I've been exposed. We're going to socially distance this whole time. Golf is one of the easiest sports to socially distance because the courses are huge. You don't necessarily need to stand next to each other. If your balls are next to each other, there's a way that you can do this without actually coming in contact with anybody. So he told them that, and they distance all weekend. They're tested on a daily basis. And by the, by the last day, or the third day, John Rahm is out there, and he's on like the 12th hole. And apparently he has a positive COVID test from the previous day. They don't know. They always take a second test because they want to confirm 100%. False positives have been known to happen, so they test again. And about six o'clock in the after, in the evening, it comes back a second positive. He's on the 18th hole, coming up the to the 18th green. So he finishes out, thinks he's got Sunday. He just has to play good enough to keep his lead, and he's going to bring home quite a bit of money. In and in a tournament, you know, started by Jack nicholas which actually has a lot of prestige. So during the broadcast he comes off the green and he is met by an, by what looks like an official and that official has a mask on and that official is talking to him the cameras are far enough away that you can't hear what they're saying the announcers are talking about john rom's performance they're talking about how he's going to play you know for the win on sunday or whatever john rom falls to his knees puts his hands on his head we still don't know what's going on so it turns out that john rom was informed that he was ted tested positive and that he had to withdraw from the tournament This, again, adds to my confusion because the PGA, not more than a month ago, had their PGA championship where people were crowded in uh, in a very, very, very small space, even though they're outside. Right. Where we don't know who's vaccinated, who isn't like. I don't believe there was some mandate that everybody who attended had to be vaccinated. So we have no idea, like absolutely no idea. And the optics of that for some people are while exciting because it feels like normal obviously we're still kind of towing the line in this pandemic so and then for him to do all the right things i understand if you feel like he should have gotten the vaccine that he hasn't okay fine right but if it if he is somebody who has chosen not to he has that choice to make the vaccine is out there you should choose to get it because i think it's just helpful for you and it's helpful for others but I'm also not an athlete who needs to worry about his body in that kind of a way. I don't need to worry about whether this could slow me down or something like that. I can, I can understand that. But he did everything he was supposed to. He informed the people. He distanced from the people. He did not come in contact with any officials, all of these types of things. Like he did everything he was supposed to do. And to me, I feel like this is so confusing because one, it could have been handled better. They should have told him in the clubhouse, not when the cameras were still on. And I think they should have considered an alternative to this because as a golfer you're going to be isolated most of the time they could have still had him play and instead they pulled the plug on him getting 1.7 billion dollars and you might think he deserved it because he didn't get the vaccine well that's not really your call to make and i just feel like i'm confused like where are we going with this pandemic at this point because i feel like for 15 months i did what i was supposed to do not just for myself but for the greater good of society. I had a newborn at home, we socially distanced, we quarantined and even after people were out and doing things, we still did that. We still kept ourselves isolated, kept a very small bubble of like six people and they were family members. We saw no friends, basically no family outside of those people. I saw my parents one time and that was when things were on the downturn. And as soon as we got back, they swung up again and were really, really bad there for a while. and. So I did my part. The other thing I was asked to do was get the vaccine, and I did that. And so I feel like it should be we should be getting closer to some semblance of this new norm, where it should be the person's choice. And I understand the you know the the proprietors and so forth, but I just I'm just confused. I felt really bad for John Rahm. I felt like the sport of golf was was thrust into the the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. And I think it's part of what highlights this general confusion. I know a lot of people don't know, should I wear a mask? Am I, am I supposed to? Um, and I, I wonder how we're going to consolidate that, how we are going to get to a place of, hey, look, you don't have to. And are there places that we could benefit from wearing them, Close, enclosed spaces, public transportation on airplanes, medical buildings things like that sure and i think we need to kind of look at okay what are some places that it makes sense to keep doing this but for everybody else if you did your part should you continue to be judged because you want to not wear one and that's where i'm a little bit confused and i feel like they could have handled it a little bit better and i would have liked to see thinking outside of the box a little bit more where more and more fans are coming to games because more and more people are vaccinated we're reaching the goals that we want to and golf kind of just went the easy route and said, well, you're out and there's no compensation for him. And to me, I feel like that sucks. Like so many people lost out on income by doing the right thing. Their businesses shut down. Their jobs told them to stay home. A lot of people lost their jobs and they were still doing the right thing. And. I know that it's $1.7 million. I know that it's more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime, but does that mean that he doesn't deserve it? He earned it, right? And I just think that was an opportunity for them to think outside the box and they didn't. So are you confused about this? Are you feeling like you don't know what we're supposed to do? Um, How are you feeling about the pandemic in general? Have you done what you feel is right for you and how do you want to proceed? Let me know. Reach out to the show uh instagram soulfully casual podcast check out matty Ice media for all of your podcasting and youtube adventures including the manual political football cowboy season and cotton in the rocket ship and of course all the other episodes of this show i hope everybody's having a great wednesday uh perhaps this inspired you to go play some golf if you're good at it muzzle to you if you're bad at it like me our it probably stresses you out. So I feel for you. Um, I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody's happy and I will talk to everybody on Friday. Take care. Soulfully Casual is exclusively owned by Maddie Ice and is brought to you by Maddie Ice Media.